Welcome to the Sales Lead Dog Podcast, hosted by CRM technology and sales process expert, Christopher Smith, talking with sales leaders that have separated themselves from the rest of the pack. Listen to find out how the best of the best achieve success with their team and CRM technology. And remember, unless you are the lead dog, the view never changes. Welcome to Sales Lead Dog. Today on Sales Lead Dog, we have Ellis Lowe. Ellis, welcome to Sales Lead Dog. Thanks, Chris. Happy to be here. Thanks so much. Great. Great to have you on. Ellis, tell me a bit about your current role with uh, Stack Sports. Yeah, so I'm the Vice President of Revenue and Growth at Stack, um, and that encompasses uh, a few different hats, as uh, sales leaders often do. Um, the, the first component and primary role um, I have is really cross-functional sales across our lines of business. So at Stack, we have about 20 different product sets and 20 different software tools that we have and provide value to our customers with. Um, and my job is to bring and cross-collaborate with those tools, how we best um, bring the most value to our partnerships through a variety of software solutions. That could be one software solution. That could be 10 software solutions. At the end of the day, we want to meet our customers where they're at um, and provide the most value that makes sense to them. And then really the second component of my role is strategic partnerships and alignment. So outside of our own and operated products, aligning ourselves with businesses um, that also bring value to our core partnerships as well. That's awesome. You guys have some pretty impressive numbers. Um, when I was researching you for, for coming on the show, 50,000 customers. I had no idea there were that many organizations out there in this. But when I think about it, well, duh, it does make sense. But you guys really own that space, it seems like. Yeah, you know, youth sports, I've been working in sports my whole career, and youth sports is, is, is a huge business, and kids, and kids are getting involved early um, now and, and sticking with it, uh, you know, for, for a long time. And that's, that's one of the great things we do at Stack Sports and something we pride ourselves on. Our whole mission, Chris, um, is really to increase participation and transport, transform that sport experience um, for the athlete, for the parent, for the organization, whether that, uh, you know, athlete journey, as we like to call it, is, you know, one year long uh, or whether that athlete journey is 25 years long and they go on to play professional sports. Um, we want to have a software solution um, that is with them along their journey um, the whole time. And we really achieve that through four pillars of our business. Um, the first of which is, is really grassroots and community engagement, getting kids involved with sport. Um, as early as two years old, this could be with things like after school programming, right? Um, you know, middle of the week daycare, mom and dad have to go to work and you got to drop them off at a sport camp. And we do this through a program called Skyhawks. Um, we have tons of franchises throughout the country. We partner with facility operators. We partner with professional sports organizations to help engage local communities and get kids involved in sport early on. Um, that second pathway is really participation growth. So if they're sticking with sport, and they want to continue to play, you know, past two, three, four years old. How are we tracking um, their life cycle of their sport journey? We do that really through our core product set, which is Sports Connect, uh, Game Day, which is our international product, and Stack Team App. And these are really the core pillars of our registration and data management products that allow us to provide important data back to our partners that show them, hey, here's when little Johnny or little Susie got involved in playing baseball and they went on and played at the college level. And we're able to check track the duration of that life cycle. Um, the third pillar is what we consider recruiting pathways. So as they go on to play more competitively, 
the high school level, at the college level, at the professional level, what resources are we providing that athlete to allow them to get seen? Well, the first one is, is Captain U, which is a free to use uh, recruiting software tool that connects high school age athletes uh, with college level coaches, right? And we marry the two. So you can really think about it like a LinkedIn style product. It's free for everyone to get on and use. And then businesses and organizations and companies are able to connect um, and network. And so that's what we do with Captain U. And then we provide through experiential on-field camps and clinics through things like area code baseball, elite 11 combine, the final five combine. These are elite level combine and events that allow those athletes to actually get seen by scouts and college coaches. And then that fourth pillar is really elite player development. So when they are playing at that next level, what tools and resources can we provide them to be able to scout, to be able to um, have video breakdown, to, to study hitters, to study pitchers, offenses and defenses. And really that core product is called Game Plan. Now, game plan allows mobile distribution for videos and documents. Um, it's used by you know, partners like the Baltimore Ravens, the LA Rams, FC Bayern Munich, um, all the way down to the collegiate level as well. So when you think about our breadth of product set, it's pretty vast, but we really think about it in those four different pillars. And then you know, I think everything that drives us here at Stack Sports um, really centers back and goes back to our, our four values. Um, the first of which is running in our customer shoes. So when we think about you know, what's important to us here at Stack Sports is, hey, a lot of us that work here, our coaches have coached or have played a level of sport. And so how can we put ourselves in that organization's shoes to help solve their problems? Um, the second core value is play to win. Look, at the end of the day, you know, we're here to be the best in the industry and provide the most value back to our partners. So how can we play to win and how can we bring the most, most value um, to everybody that we work with? The third is be, just be a team player. So internally at Stack, we pride ourselves on being able to cross collaborate, which again goes back to one of my main responsibilities here at the company is, you know, be a team player. Just because your side of the business is thriving, how can we also bring in other components of our business um, to grow internally, but then just provide value back to the customer? And then the fourth is going to be own the solution. Look, I mean, at the end of the day, problems are going to arise. Um, and we want people on our team that are going to own that solution, come up with a quick fix, something that is going to make the customer happy um, and make it a priority to get the, the solution done in a timely manner. And so for us, it all goes back to those core values and all, and all goes back to those four pillars of our business and how we track that athlete journey. We're definitely going to dive back into those core values when we talk about sales leadership. But right now, I want to know. What are the three things that have led you to the success that you've had in your career so far? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, when I think about that, I think the first thing that sticks out to me is, you know, just the desire to win. And it's, it sounds a little cliche, but when I say desire to win, you know, I don't just mean dollars and cents. When we think about sales, I really mean desire to win in every facet of life. So I think it's all relevant, you know, desire to win, um, you know, with my relationships, desire to win with, you know, just my routine day in and day out. I think um, from a personal development perspective, from my relationships with my, with my kids, with my spouse, um, I think are all super relevant and going back to having success in your work life. And so I would flag that as the number one thing that's helped me in my career. Um, number two, I think, is just having a clear vision for where I want to go professionally you know, that dates back to over a decade ago when I got my start in sales, just really understanding where I wanted to be from a sales leadership perspective and helping an organization propel, uh, propel forward 
um, from a growth and revenue side of things and being outspoken about that, right? Understanding that you're not just going to fall into a sales leadership role. You have to go out and prove yourself, but also being outspoken at the same time with my leaders and my mentors about where I wanted to be down the road, I think was super important for me. Um, and then number three is just performance and results, right? At the end of the day, um, as I've progressed in my career, I think having results to, to lean back on and say, hey, here's what I've been able to do throughout my sales career is, is very important. But you really, you don't get the third one without the first two. So you don't get performance and you don't get results without a desire to win and having a clear path and, and having an expectation of yourself every day that's going to allow you to get there. And you don't get there without a clear vision for where you want to be long term. When you were in college, did you envision yourself going into sales? It's a great question. When I was in college, I wanted to uh, go play professional baseball. And, you know, <laughs> You're the second one, second guest that had that career path. Yeah, I mean, I unfortunately, um, so I did play college baseball and got a, a little bit of an opportunity to play independent ball after college and had tons of friends and buddies who went on to play and, and a lot of which are still playing today. And so like a lot of us, that was the, the dream. Um, you know, for me, I saw the writing on the wall and saw an opportunity that, um, you know, to, to retire from quote unquote professional baseball in the independent leagues. Um, and pursue a career opportunity in sport um, when I first got my start with, with BSN Sports over a decade ago. And that was exciting to me, um, to be able to continue to talk with coaches and talk with people in sport. Um, if I was not going to be playing baseball, at least I got to interact with um, people that were, you know, I could relate to. Right. So what were those early days like for you as a salesperson? Yeah, I would, I would imagine similar to, you know, a lot of the listeners experiences as, as well, which is, you know, high volume of, of calls. Um, it's grinding from a prospecting perspective. You know, I can remember that first sales job I got, you know, I was thrilled with it. Again, it was in sport, but it was a territory of, we call it five plus states um, with an expectation of, you know, really 75 to 100 cold calls a day with a CRM system that was, sending me leads or not leads that gave me contact information to call out. And, um, you know, I was pumping out calls day in and day out, um, running my own sales spiffs and specials to try to get people to call me back. And, and so I think everyone quite frankly should have that experience to the grind of, you know, prospecting on your own, the grind of drumming up your own business. Um, but the great part about that was when, when I had wins and I did continue and when I did start to see success over the course of the 12 and 18 months, um, it was exciting, you know, because the, the payoff um, uh, of that um, was great and it was exciting. And I think it's something as an athlete, the harder you work and the more you put in, the more you, you get out of it. It's the same and it's no different in sales. Yeah. Um, was it a, uh, I mean, when you look back on those days, um, were you like, when you went into it thinking like, hey, this is going to be great? Or did you go into it think it was going to be suck? And then how much did your viewpoint change over those first 18 months? Yeah, great question. I, I think at times it was a grind and it was just, yeah, there's days where, yeah, this sucks. And, you know, do I want to be doing this for my whole career? <laughs> um, but I always went back to, hey, if you perform and you be a, a top performer in sales within that division, and you're outspoken and you know clear about where you want to go, there's going to be opportunity to grow within an organization. And so that's really what I kind of always went back to was, 
um, I'd always put my name in the hat for a new opportunity to jump into a new division, a new opportunity to start a new division um, that may be a little bit of a risk that I knew that I had the skill set to kind of take it and run with it. And so that's that's where I did make my next leap was a new division that's evolved. And I threw my name in that and I said, heck, I'm going to give it a shot and ended up having some success there. So certainly days where I questioned if that type of sales grind was something I wanted. Um, but then again, I always just went back to, I, I know that I'll get out of it what I put into it, um, which is, I, I think, in large part, how I got to kind of where I am today. What were some of the light bulb moments or epiphanies you had in those early years in sales? Yeah, I mean, a couple of things, just from a learning perspective, um, it's just a process, you know, I think, you know, you, you don't know what you don't know. And yeah, I was a confident and still am confident athlete, you know, coming out of college. And, and, and so I, I thought I had the ability to do, you know, go close every single deal that came across my, my desk. And that reality is, is that's just not the case. Sales is a numbers game. And I understood that I had to be diligent in my process um, in sales um, to see success in it. And so I think, you know, over the course of call it probably the first 12 months um, in that particular job, I start to understand um, that, you know, in order for me to see success and continue to see success, I need to be diligent in my process. I had, I had several sales mentors and people that I would lean on and, you know, I would just be a fly on the wall and listen and absorb as much as I could from superiors and senior leadership and executives within that office that uh, allowed me to understand how they interact, what they're doing day in, day out. And so I say, I would say that was the biggest thing for me in that first year. And the epiphany was, hey, let's go emulate what people that are having success at a higher level than me are doing, and then go put it to work on my day to day. And I thought, I think for me, that did a lot. Was there any sage advice or feedback that you were given uh, from some of those mentors that you could share with us? Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, um, for me, it was, you know, a lot of positive reinforcement and, and, and the, you know, continue to do what you're doing, which was great, right? Um, from senior leadership within an organization, hey, love what you're doing, continue to do what you're doing. For me, that was just affirmation that I was on the right path. Mm -hmm. And you're not always going to get positive affirmation. But for me, that continued to lift my spirits in that, hey, you know, I am doing right things. I am doing the right things, the baby steps that are going to get me to either get me to just being an ultra high performing salesperson person or long term get me to the kind of the leadership level I was hoping to get to. Um, and so, you know, people like, you know, that the chief executives within, um, you know, the C-suite, if you will, within this organization, I would just pick their brain, go in their office, knock on the door. We had sort of an open door policy. Um, talk to them, have small talk conversations. And just to get kind of some of these positive affirmations was a whole, you know, ultra helpful to me. You know, that's not everybody's experience and not everyone has those types of relationships within their business. Um, but I think the more that you can, you know, uh, get in front of, pick the brain of senior leadership, people that are, you know, have done what you're looking to do, the better off you're going to be long-term. And that certainly was the case for me. What, drove you into your path to leadership in a sales role? Yeah, I, I think it's just a combo of wanting to help people be the best version of themselves, wanting to help people to go on to be successful. But there's a big part of me that loves the, 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 the player coach type of environment. And when I say that, I mean, um, the, the, one of the things I love most about my position today is 
I'm very much so still involved in a lot of specific sales deals. Um, and so I, I understand uh, one, the grind that my team goes through and the, the things that they're hearing from an objection perspective or issues that they're running into, because I too am running into the same thing. So being able to collaborate um, and take their advice sometimes, but then also mentor them, um, you know, as, as you know, when scenarios arise, I think is the, the thing I love the most. It's a team environment. And so the ability to be this player coach within the sales world is something I love. Um, and look, I always say um, I would I, I'm still really young in my sales career um, in the grand scheme of things. And so I'm continuing to evolve and learn and I'm continuing to learn from people um, on my team um, that have been in the sales game longer than me. And so I, I still take that same perspective and I still try to approach it that same way I did over a decade ago when I was just getting my start, because I feel like that's the only way you're going to continue to evolve and get better is if you you wake up every day knowing that you don't know everything and you want to learn and get better. I think that's the best way to approach it. And that's the way I like to approach it with, with me and my team as well. How do you manage that fine line between player and coach? You know, when it's really not, I imagine it's really not your role to be the lead on those deals, but how do you manage that line? I know that can be a struggle for some people. Yeah, it, it is. And I would say, um, I think the biggest struggle for a lot of people, and even me too, quite frankly, is, you know, I, especially for first time sales leaders and managers, it's letting go, right, of having control over specific deals. And I think that's something I've had to learn over time, too, is that, hey, when you have good people on your team, being able to trust them, right, with that sales process, let them continue to build their pipeline, go out there, chase the deals, close the deals, um, and if you're doing the right things as a sales leader, those guys and those gals on your team are going to continue um, to see success and see results without me feeling like or the sales leader feeling like they have to have control over every deal. And so, again, that's a, a learning process as a sales leader that you go through um, when you and I think you, the epiphany and the light bulb goes off when one day you, you look at your or not maybe just not just one day, but over the course of maybe a quarter you look at your email and you're going, man, I just, I can't catch up. I'm, I'm, you know, we're, we're bogged down. I feel like I'm, I'm trying to be involved in too many of these meetings. And yet at the end of the day, I'm, I'm even more behind. Well, you know, I think that to me is an indication that you don't have your team structured in a way that you can delegate where things need to be delegated and that you really focused on um, what you need to be focused on as a leader. Uh, that's uh, that's a great indicator um, that you're becoming a bottleneck instead of that enabler. Yep. Okay. Um, how did you manage that transition? You know, when you when you had that recognition to say, "Hey, look, I'm probably doing too much." How did you start managing yourself out of that situation? Yeah, I think um, getting what's always helpful, and I still do this today. You know, as our team continues to grow, is um, have them shadow. I do. I have a lot of people involved in you know, and, and that's how we've built trust internally is, hey, be part of my conversations and what the conversation conversations I'm having on a, from a deal perspective um, to understand how these conversations go, how we want to approach them, the strategy we take behind how we're um, having partnership conversations. And then, you know, and then put your own twist on it, right? You know, you don't have to do everything the way I do it or the way he does it or, um, you know, everyone's unique in the way they approach things. But I think understanding kind of the, the playbook, so to speak, on how 
as a company, holistically, how we want to go about having these sorts of conversations with our partners is super valuable. And so for me, that's what that's been the most helpful in you know, transitioning things to members of my team is, hey, let's do some of this stuff together. Um, different types of conversations, different types of sales scenarios, so that you know when you're doing it on your own. And I know that you you know exactly um, how to handle a specific situation confidently, um, and that we can continue to maximize all of our time moving forward. Uh, you talked about your core values, the company's core values earlier. How do you leverage those core values during your hiring process when you're trying to find new members for your sales team? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think the hiring process is, um, it's, it's a key one for any sales organization, right? Getting it right is, is, is a tough one. Sometimes, um, for me, you know, one of the biggest things I always look for when I'm hiring new salespeople is just the ability to, um, have these types of conversations interact naturally, um, without it being forced. Right. I, I, for me, I think we've got, we've pivoted away in my opinion, you know, over the last several years in the old school sales, you know, mentality. Um, and we've gone more towards a, just strictly a relationship, building trust, having natural organic conversation. And so that's what I look for in the, in the interview and the hiring process. And then, you know, the ability to have, you know, uh, these core values as part of the individual's personality is, is ultra important as well. Right. Obviously, you know, if they've been a part of a team, if they've played sport, if they have that competitiveness to them, um, if they're able to, you know, talk about some scenarios in which they were able to own a solution. These are all things that we talk through that are indicators for me and our team that, hey, you have lived it, you have run into adversity, you have shown the ability, your ability to go out and win deals, you have shown your ability um, to go out and be empathetic with your customer and what they're going through. And so all those things are super important for us um, in the hiring process, because again, you know, you get that wrong and all of us have got it wrong in the past. It ends up hurting you because you just got to go back to the drawing board. It takes away from your time, which is your most valuable asset. Um, and, and so it's ultra important for us here at Stack that we uh, make sure that anyone we bring on board is super aligned with our, with our, with our values. So running our customer's shoes, to me, the core component of that is empathy, you know, yeah. that you have to be able to put yourself in the position of your customer's teams. Can you talk a bit about empathy in your role as a salesperson and then how you work to transfer that into empathy for the customer uh, with your team? Yeah, definitely. Look, I think from a, a leadership perspective, having empathy internally is um is important understanding that you know not every day not every week not every quarter is maybe going to align with exactly how you envision that going um, but understanding that hey as long as we are you know again i always go back to as long as we are waking up every day and doing the things that we know are going to yield success long term um, from a sales perspective um, we can be empathetic towards, you know, our team and internally towards our, our staff when things don't always go our way, right? Because I've been there too. I've walked in their shoes. And so I understand the scenario that you're facing. And so how can we together, let's brainstorm on this and how can we together overcome that, right? Together and move forward. And then from a customer pr perspective, which I think is a, an ultra important one for us is, 
look, we work with league administrators. We work with volunteer parents, board members and staffs, coaches. I mean, a lot of these people have full-time jobs and everything else that they're doing. And they're doing this out of the goodness to their heart because it's their son or daughter. And so we have to understand that they have a lot going on too. And right. So every, you know, anything we can do um, to make their lives easier from a, from a technology perspective and in various ways that we partner, we want to do, we understand that we're not always, you know, things aren't always going to be perfect. And um, we understand that people are tackling a lot of stuff in their day-to-day lives um, and we certainly are cognizant of that um, when we're when we're working with them. Um, I'd like you to tell me, you know, what, what about the feelings you had, the the best deal you ever closed, and contrast that with the feelings you had with the biggest deal you ever lost, and your takeaways from both. Yeah, it's it's funny. I know when we were chatting a little bit ago. You know, it. <laughs> it's kind of a funny one is, you know, we talked a little bit about my entry into sales and kind of the grind of, of that early on. And I actually got one of the biggest deals I've ever closed um, through just prospecting. And I think that goes to show going back to, you know, getting involved and actually working through that grind of building your pipeline, you know, high level call volume. Um, I, I landed on a deal that was significant um, in value to the company and, you know, call it, a, you know, a quarter million dollar deal at the time. Um, and that was one that was not projected. It wasn't uh, part of the plan and it happened, re- you know, fairly rapidly. And look, at the end of the day, I called the right person at the right time. Right. And, you know, two weeks later, we got the deal and I'm looking up going, wow, I don't think anybody in this organization's ever, you know, in this division has closed a deal that big. And how did I get on that one? Um, and so, those are, you know, diamonds in the rough, right? Those don't happen, you know, every year, every, you know, every few years, maybe even. Um, but it was really cool to have that experience and go, hey, wow, those deals are out there. Um, and when you're putting in the work and, and following the process, you're going to have deals that happen like that, right? All the while you're cultivating and, and moving your other deals along through the pipeline. And, but at, in the same breath, I've certainly had deals of that value or larger that have just fallen through the cracks and have, have, have for whatever reason, not got over the line. Um, and those hurt too. And I think, you know, if you're going to be long-term successful in sales, you have to understand that, look, the, the key to the game is not uh, relying on those big whales, right? The key to the game is everything in between. And when you get the big whales, that's great. I think you should think about those as gravy, and when you lose them, don't get too low, right? It's kind of going back to that whole concept is never get too high, never get too low. You kind of want to be somewhere in the middle. Well, to me, you know, your, your sales pipeline should be everything in, in the middle, the vast majority of it, because we know that, you know, um, a lot of what you close is going to be those mid-tier level deals, those lower level, those mid-tier value deals. And then when we go get the well, that's great. Yeah. Is there a central tenet or core belief that you have when it comes to sales? Uh, you know, I think for me, it's, I wouldn't say a core belief. That's kind of my mantra necessarily. Right. I think, uh, you know, for me, it's just understanding and and, know, and having a belief in myself yeah. that, um, you know, I, I am going to play to win. Right. And it goes back to our core value. Um, yeah. And I think everyone that we bring onto our team has to have that, you know, that mentality that, hey, we're going to play to win. And we understand losses will be a part of it, but I think if you wake up every day playing to win and playing to close deals and playing to partner and provide value to our partnership, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's going to work out. And what, I, what I'll say too, Chris, is what I've always found 
is that if you focus more um, in sales on the, you know, the, the value you're bringing partners and the good that you're doing through your partnership and not just on the dollars and cents, things end up working out better, right? If all you do as a salesperson is worry about the commission you're making or worry about hitting the number and you're stressed out about that all the time, that tends to affect the performance. Um, but if you wake up very mission-driven around what we can do for our partners, how we can help them grow, how we can you know, communicate with them every day to help their organization, things just end up working out. I don't know how you, you, uh, you see, sometimes it's hard to put into words how that happens, but uh, uh, you know, I guess the thing my old coach used to say in college is good things happen to good people. Well, if we continue to be good people to our partners, I'm a true believer that good things happen. I can't, I so believe that. I really do. It's like, hey, the more you call it karma, call it whatever you want. <laughs> um, if you're out there doing good, you're trying to help people and, and uh, just be genuinely a, a good person. I really believe that people want to help you, you know, and, and uh, that stuff, you know, otherwise, I've been telling my, that to my kids for years. Just be that person, be nice to everybody. People will go out of their way to help you. And all of a sudden, all this good stuff's happening for you. Yeah, no doubt. More, more times than not, it, it comes back full circle. Yeah. Um, when you're just living the right way and you're, you're being a good person, things tend to work out more often than not. So that's I, I, good. Uh, so I, I just that's a core belief of mine. Let's shift our conversation to CRM. Do you love it or do you hate it? <laughs> Great, tricky one. Um, I think <laughs> I to me, I think it's a necessity um, from a sales perspective um, in terms of managing your sales pipeline. However, I'll tell you that, you know, if in my experience, the vast majority of sales teams and organizations uh, under leverage and underutilize it and don't utilize it the right way. And I, you know, I'm just as guilty as anybody of that in that it, still to this day, um, we find ourselves sometimes going, oh, you know, you know, coming up on monthly reviews, it's like, guys, how updated is our CRM? Where are we at in progressing deals to that pipeline? Because I think oftentimes as salespeople, we get so caught up in, taking notes here, doing this, have set follow-ups on your calendar without continuing to consolidate everything in your sales funnel through your CRM. And I think that's vital um, long-term, right? We can be successful being a little disjointed from our CRM, but I think if you want to maximize success, I think a CRM tool is certainly vital and cer cer certainly something that me and, and our team are continuing to grow at because I know for a fact that a lot of uh, sales teams underutilize them. Yeah, those people are keeping me in business, by the way. So thank you. Um, <laughs> why do you think it's so hard for sales teams to integrate CRM into their daily routine? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, from at least in my experience, I think it's, you've got so, you're so focused on the next call, the next deal, you know, you get your, you've got a deal at 90% and it's about to close and you just want to focus on that. I think it's, you, you feel like you've got a really good pulse on the funnel and the next step and the next conversation. And, you know, I've got a hundred deals in the pipeline and they're, you know, I, you know, X of them, X amount are at 25% to close X amount are at 90% to close. But then the reality is when you look at that pipeline and it's not as up to date as it could be, you really don't have a good look and a good view at what your sales funnel is. And so I think for me um, in my experiences, people just get so caught up in each specific deal that they don't go back at the end of the day or the beginning of the day. They just don't have a good process as to how much time they're spending on, you know, their particular CRM. Like to me, that's the way to drive success with the CRM is 
go ahead and make it a point to set time on your calendar daily that says, for this hour every day, I'm going to update every single deal. I'm going to go back and figure out where I need to follow up and set those appointments and set reminders for the next day. That, to me, is a way you can ensure that you're continuing to show improvement with your CRM is just making it a point to carve out time every day to do it. Yep. And I'll even go further than that. Um, you know, when we engage with sales teams, our, you know, it's to use a sports analogy, it's like setting up for your golf swing. There are certain things you have to do every time when you're setting up to swing the golf club. You have to do the same thing with your CRM. It needs to become part of your routine. And when you're able to do that and make it just part of your, so if I'm sending an email, I'm doing that, it's sending that email the same way. And one of those steps is I'm going to sync that into our CRM. If I'm sending out and setting up a meeting or if I'm making a phone call, part of that process, part of that setup is syncing that to CRM and doing it in the moment. Because, yeah. and then saving that time, having that time on your counter carved out to do the big stuff that you have to do when you're going in, that they're just going to take more time. Mm -hmm. um, if you're not doing that and making that part of your routine, waiting until the end of the week to catch up, forget it. Your CRM is going to suck. You're going to be in the, in the group of people that hate CRM because then you're going back. It's, it's painful to sit there and try to recreate your week. I mean, my memory sucks. I can't remember what I did for lunch, let alone what I did on Monday when it's Friday, you know? And, and so, but if you can set up that routine where it just becomes part of your routine and you do it the same way every time, it's like hitting that good golf ball right down the middle. The, the way you get there is you, you, you have a process, you have a routine, you do it the same way every time. Um, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I, th I think you're spot on when you, when you look back on a Friday and you hadn't updated it and it's just becomes, it becomes more of a chore and it shouldn't yeah. be a chore. Um, and so, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head for sure on that. One. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I tell, when we do training, I learned this early on. I'm like, Hey, if you're in that group, that's waiting until the end of the week, <laughs> you're, you're going to hate. It doesn't matter what we do with CRM to make it better for you. You're still going to hate it. It's still yeah. not going to be a tool that's helping you because it's now part of your daily life. It's now part of your routine. And that's all CRM is. It's a tool. It's not the BL. It's not going to make you a better salesperson on its own. It's not going to fix any problems you might be having. But when it's set up correctly and it becomes part of your routine, it can make your life a heck of a lot easier. Yep. No doubt about it. Totally agree. Yep. Um, we're coming up on our time here on Sales Lead Dog, Ellis. I really appreciate you coming on the show. If people want to reach out, connect with you, if they want to learn more about Stack Sports, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, sure thing, Chris. This has been great. Um, yeah, feel free to shoot me an email at ellis.low at stacksports.com if you're interested in learning more about the business and what we do here at Stack. Um, or you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, pretty easy to find my profile and I'm happy to connect on LinkedIn and shoot me a message and, and uh, would be thrilled to, to connect with you guys. Yeah, that's awesome. And if you didn't get that email, we will have all that information in our show notes. You can get that at impellercrm.com forward slash sales lead dog. You'll find not only this episode and get those show notes, but you'll find all our other, other episodes. So be sure to check that out and uh, follow us and catch all our sales lead dog episodes. Ellis, thanks again for coming on sales lead dog and welcome to the pack. Thanks so much, Chris. Have a great one. As we end this discussion on Sales Lead Dog, be sure to subscribe to catch all our episodes. On social media, follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram.
Watch the videos on YouTube, and you can also find our episodes on our website at impellercrm.com forward slash sales lead dog. Sales lead dog is supported by Impeller CRM, delivering objectively better CRM for business, guaranteed.